Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you a topic, an author, a ministry, a Christian business person that can share their testimony. We try to bring you a variety of things, and this week is just full of variety. You know, if you missed yesterday's show, we talked all about annual performance reviews and how you can use that as a a Christ-like tool in your workplace. If you missed it, you need to go back and listen to the archives all about performance reviews and that you shouldn't just be doing them on an annual basis, but you should be doing them at least on an annual basis, but you should be doing them more often. Today, we're talking with pastor and author Eric Carpenter about his workbook, called Jesus's Big Idea. And as I got this, I got this from a friend of mine named Ross Harrop, local C12 Tampa Bay chair. Ross shared this with me and said, Jim, you got to get this. And I forgot who I got it from. I had to remind myself. And then I had to figure out, well, why, Ross, did you give me this? And then I found out that Ross Harrop used to work with Eric Carpenter. But this whole idea, well, I'm not going to spoil it. Eric Carpenter, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Hey, Jim, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. I know that, that, <laughs> that, that I got up on my soapbox at the beginning of the show, but I'm just so passionate about the fact that our workplaces are neglected with the gospel each and every day, and they, they need to be impacted with the gospel each and every day. So here's a question, though, for you. You're the senior pastor at Spring Community Church, correct? Right, uh-huh. Okay, so do you do annual performance reviews on your people? <laughs> We do. We uh, 
try and do uh, uh, quarterly reviews um, with our staff team. Yep. Okay, and oh. we try and uh, we try and make them Christ-like as it is a church. Well, that's a good <laughs> idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> Yesterday we talked about the fact that performance reviews should look like this. Number one, the pre the people. Do you have your people do self reviews before you do a review on them? Um, I would say we're actually looking at going to 360 reviews. Are you familiar with that? Oh yeah, I was getting uh, to that. I was getting to that. You got to ask my you can't this is my show. You can't redirect the question. You got to answer the question. <laughs> Do you okay. have people rate themselves first before you rate them? Um with that's the direction we're doing. I do that with one staff, and I've uh, it's been such a good experience. I'm probably going to do it with the rest of my staff. Okay, yeah. so that's what we talked about yesterday. That people, you have people mm-hmm. do their own review, then the boss does a review. Then, mm-hmm. if they're working in a team, you have peer reviews done. Yeah, and then yeah, great. and then because if the boss is going to be a Christ-like leader, the boss, supervisors, managers, they let their employees do a 360 review. On them, but do it anonymously. Maybe using a survey monkey or something like that, or have an outside firm come in. But for that, the Christ-like leader really cares about what he's doing in his church and his business. You got to find out. Hey, what am I doing well? What am I not doing well? And your employees are never going to tell you because they're afraid. But some, some, you got to create a way for them to be able to give you open and honest feedback and then digest it. So that great feedback. Absolutely, I agree. It is. Yeah. It's scary though, and people. I, I got to tell you, I use self reviews for years for for fifteen or twenty years. People hate doing self reviews. They hate mm-hmm. analyzing themselves. All right, but that's not what we're here to talk about. But I figured as long as because you're a leader in a church, I want to see did you actually do them? Because there's a mm-hmm. lot of there's a lot of organizations out there that never ever do reviews and it's terrible because mm-hmm. how do you tell your people they're doing a good job if you don't talk to them all the time right right all right so i brought you on the show today to talk about this workbook that you brought in and, it, and it's that that really undescribes it so i really want to take the next 50 minutes and really talk about what it is but before we get into that conversation as i do with each and every guest i really want you to share how christ is making an impact on your life today um great well I, I've actually had a, a really uh, profound day today. Um, we had a uh, we had a couple that's a part of our church, and unfortunately, their daughter is uh, dying of uh, pancreatic cancer, mm. and uh, she's about my age. And they asked me; she's been resistant to the gospel and and uh, talking about spiritual things. And in in the last couple of weeks, um, where things are. Uh, she's in the hospital, taking a turn for the worst. She was open to talk, and so they asked me to go in there, and I was able to share the gospel of the kingdom, as I would say, and um, talk. She's such a dare woman, um, and uh, and she tears in her eyes, and she uh, received Christ. Um, it may have been a reaffirmation of Christ when she was very young. She asked Jesus into her life, and then um, now, at, in her 40s, she's uh, recommitting her life to Christ and um, was filled with joy, and it was a, it was a really beautiful moment. So um, uh, I just feel honored and, and privileged every time I get to be a clay jar, broken as I am and, and uh, uh, struggling as I am, that he gets to, to use me to, to share his message and bring uh, life and hope to people. So it's a, it's a good day when uh, things like that happen. I would say absolutely. Would you, can you share the first name of that, that lady? Because I'd like to pray for her right now. That would be wonderful. And if you could pray for 
Um, of course, she's experienced spiritual healing and redemption, um, but now her body is still ravaged uh, with, uh, with the pancreatic cancer. And so her name is Terry. And if we could uh, pray for her and really, you know, the, the kingdom message is that God is restoring all things. And so we believe that he is going to restore Terry. We don't know if it will be in this life or the next, but we trust him for his timing. But we get the privilege of praying for restoration in the here and now, uh, the kingdom of God here. Um, and so please pray for Terry. Uh, encouragement and strength. She's only been given, uh, I think it's two to eight weeks to, to live uh, at this point. Hmm. All right, well, let's just pray for her really quick. Father, we just Great. go before you as a nation. There are people listening really all over the world today. And Lord, we just lift up Terry. Lord, pancreatic cancer, when people hear those words, they shudder mm-hmm. because it is in this world, it is a it is the end of the game because they don't have a cure for it. Father, we know that you created these bodies. We know that as you're restoring this world, and eventually we will have an all-new world, that it is within your capability to to make Terry completely free of cancer, even immediately. So, Father, we ask for that. But more than that, we, we praise you that you have restored her by your side in relationship, that yes, she has, yeah. has reached back out to you and said, no, I want you to be Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you for that movement in her heart. But, Lord, we pray for encouragement and strength as she has maybe just a few weeks left, Lord, that those mm-hmm. would be days that everybody would cherish throughout the remainder of their lives. But, Lord, we do ask, you know, it, it would only be a God-sized miracle if we ask this. Yes. But for Father, we just ask that you would restore her health miraculously, even as we speak. And Father, we just thank you for the privilege of praying as brothers in Christ and really with our sisters in Christ across the globe uh, for Terry yes. today. And uh, Lord, thanks for Eric bringing that up as you have impacted his life today to give him the opportunity to share the gospel yes, with Terry Lord. today. So Father, we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jim, for praying, and all those who joined you in the prayer. Awesome. Well, awesome. I, we got, we got, I'm sure there's several thousand people that joined us in that one, and as they listen to the archives, they'll get to hear it again and again and again. My archives get awesome. downloaded a thousand times a month. So, Okay, so listen, we've only got a minute before we got to take a break, but I want to find out, how did you end up to be the senior pastor at Springs Community Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm part of uh, the denomination Reformed Church of America. It's about a thousand churches, uh, the oldest, uh, one of the oldest Protestant uh, denominations. Um, and uh, they did a search, and I was serving as an associate pastor, pastor of uh, discipleship and outreach in uh, Holland, Michigan. And they uh, contacted me, and essentially I said uh, I would bring the message of the kingdom. Not exactly sure the impact of that would be, and through a process of discernment, they said, come teach us the kingdom. So for the last six years, we've been on this grand adventure of discovering Jesus' big idea and how we live a kingdom life, how we live it out day to day. That was, just like you're preaching. That was a great summary. All right, we just got started talking with pastor and author Eric Carpenter about his book, Jesus' Big Idea. And we just found out that God threw him from Holland, Michigan, where it's cold and snowy, just to Colorado (laughs) Springs, where it's just snowy and not really very cold. But they've got hills, which is really, really nice. So, Eric Carpenter, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. All right. So, yeah, what do you like better, Holland, Michigan, or Colorado Springs? 
Well, Holland, Michigan was uh, beautiful for three seasons of the year. Uh, we were near Lake Michigan and just <laughs> loved the lake. But boy, the winters were long, cold, and uh, a lot of snow. They so were very I have white. To say, yeah, very yes, white. Yes, I, I do enjoy, even though it's bitter cold today in Colorado Springs. I mean, it's very, uh, we had a... Uh, um, we canceled our, our church activities tonight because of the weather, but um, but I do really like that the seasons are much m- more mild here at uh, Colorado Springs. <laughs> yeah, we don't cancel a lot of church services here. Every once in a while, it does rain, and people don't go to church when it rains, but for the most part, <laughs> it's like 75 here today, just so you knew. I'm just, you know. That's not bad. That's no, not no, bad. It's, yeah. it's pretty nice here. I like to say that every day in Florida is a perfect day. Even when it's hot, even when it's hot, because it gets hotter in Colorado Springs than it does here. All right, we don't need to talk about the weather. That's what boring people talk about. All right, so on Monday's show, I had Gerard Long, executive director of Alpha USA, on the show. Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Well, I thought that you had told me that, and what kind of impact did Alpha and Gerard have on you as you were writing your book? I mean, how much impact did Alpha have in your whole experience in writing this book? Really a profound uh, impact. So I started doing Alpha, I think it was 2000, when I was uh, doing some church planting in Chula Vista, California. And, um, and we were doing Alpha, and I saw, I saw lives transformed through the Alpha course in a way that I, I really wasn't seeing in any place else. I'm sure Gerard uh, could talk uh, long and, uh, about that. Yeah, it could have been and a three-hour uh, show. There's no question. <laughs> yeah. And and so um, part of that was um, really when I was at an alpha training, I'll try and make a long story short, and they, they were answering the question, why is alpha so significant? And I was like, that's great. I've been doing alpha for a number of years, and I'm seeing life transformation. What makes alpha so special? And the answer was because it has the seeds of the kingdom of God in it. And that really did not help me that much at all. I, I thought, what in the world does that mean? I, I, I know that kingdom is in the background, and I, and I hear the word kingdom, but if someone would have asked me what the word kingdom is or the concept of the kingdom is, I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that. And as an ordained pastor, I thought I better be able to say what kingdom is. So I made a side study of what the, or what I thought would be the side study, and that's when I realized, Jim, that it was, it's not just a side issue for Jesus. This is what his whole, the framework of his message and his whole ministry and his work right now is the kingdom of God. And, and that was something that the, the disciples really struggled with, because they said, well, are you going to restore your kingdom now? Are you going to bring your kingdom now? They kept thinking earthly kingdom, earthly kingdom, earthly kingdom. Yes. They, kept thinking, they kept thinking like Rome, are you going to take over Rome? And, and, and that's mm-hmm. not, you know, it wasn't until I went through your work that I started to really understand it, because there's not a lot of churches that talk about God, <laughs> you're restoring the kingdom now. The, the talk right. about that was Jesus's goal. Just like they also don't talk about the fact that your workplace is your mission field. I didn't uh-huh. ask. You, I didn't ask you that question whether that was something you needed. You know, or, do you ever talk about that in, when you're preaching? You know, um, not as much as I have, but we are moving in that direction for sure. Well, good. But I'm going to follow up on that one. Does 
Yeah, it does dial in very directly with that. Oh, I'm, it absolutely does. Okay, so yeah. so you started doing this research project. What led you to actually writing the book then? I mean, to taking your ideas and putting them in a big workbook. Well, I if you look, if uh, any of your listeners just want to read one of the one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and just look at the references of kingdom, you'll realize that Jesus refers to the kingdom of God more than anything else, more than heaven or hell, uh, more than love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's it's all over the place. And so really, this was, um, you know, I graduated from seminary, been uh, trained at Fuller, and I was realizing that I had, you know the phrase, Jim, understood the trees but missed the forest? <laughs> yeah, can't see the forest for the trees, yes. I, that's yeah. right. I grew that's up right. in Minnesota, so I, I got that in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> so the kingdom of God is really the forest. And so if you, like, for example, if you look at um, uh, Matthew 13, it's got all these parables that are, are illustrating. What are the, the parables in Matthew 13 illustrating? The kingdom. Illust- the kingdom of God. He, right. he continues. So you, you, know, you wrestle with the kingdom like uh, in, in Matthew 13, 24, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Or, or verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Um, verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed. So we were understanding these parables, but missing that it was illustrating the forest, the big idea that the kingdom of God is now creeping back into our lives and our workplaces and our world, and we're called to join God in the advancement of his kingdom. And, and so I, I, was, I was being blown away by all these references and, and wondering how come someone hadn't told me that the big idea of Jesus was the kingdom of God. Uh, and and so I started telling people that, and there is a complexity to the the subject and challenging to understand. So I started preaching, I started teaching, I started discipling, and I realized that I need to start writing things down to help people grasp the concept and then learn to live in the kingdom in the here and now. Mm. You know, I think... It, it, you almost have to put it in some Hollywood terms for people to understand, because a lot of people don't realize, you know, when Satan and Jesus are at the, they're at the top of the hill, no, they're, they're at the top of the temple, and no, it was the top of the hill, I think, and he says, hey, you know, this is everything, I've got everything, I've got yep, domain the here, temple. Well, uh-huh. okay, and I said, I got the whole domain here, Jesus, all you got to do is bow down to me and I'll let you have it all, and Jesus is going... Uh-huh. I got a few days here, and three and a half years from now, I get it all back anyway, my friend. I mean, it was—it's a spiritual <laughs> battle, but Satan, Satan, right. Satan can't read minds, and that's a lot of th- A lot of us give Satan that credit that he can read our minds. Well, God can read our minds, but Satan can't read our minds. He, he has to hear us say it out loud in order to know. That's why he needs—we need to pray out loud so it freaks him out. But when you when you look at—I'm a huge Matrix guy, a huge uh-huh. Matrix fan. Did you ever watch the Matrix trilogy? Uh, I like it a lot. Yes. Okay, and there, great, great parable for the gospel message, and uh-huh. for the kingdom. When you look at yes. it, that because yes. because I mean, none of this really messes. I know this is not where you plan on going, but when you look at at the end where uh, Neo becomes one with the machines and then tricks them, and it, I mean, gets absorbed into the whole deal, and the kingdom starts getting the real world starts getting re, um, uh, resolved. I mean, it was. 
restored is probably a better word, but I mean, it, it's it's a good image. People to understand the the spiritual battle and really the machines versus the humans. The spiritual battle is just like that. The enemy today, in in Hollywood Can, terms, of course. Jim, that that's a great analogy. In fact, I use uh, video clips in my my messages all the time because I'm a a little bit of a movie buff, and The Matrix is great. And I think that um, the kingdom of God, I don't know if you've uh, read Divine Conspiracy, which is really about uh, talking about the kingdom of God by Dallas Willard, who's uh, passed away now. But really, it's that idea in the matrix where what we see is not the the greatest reality that, that is there. Right. And so the, the greatest reality is the kingdom of God, and we get to live in that reality today, even though we're still a part of this broken world. And the battles being fought for that kingdom each and every day around us in a dimension we can't see, that to great great images Absolutely. for that. You got to watch. Then you got to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy to understand the battles going. <laughs> I mean, just I, I got to think that way. I have to put images in my head to be able to understand these big theology concepts. All right, now this is this is a workplace ministry show. This is a show where I'm trying to encourage people who are who are running their own businesses, they're managers of the business, or maybe they're just a person in a business as an employee. But for them to recognize that their workplace is their mission field. How does the concept of the kingdom of God being restored? Help Help them in the workplace. And you only got a minute to answer this before we go to break. But when we come back, that's really, really want to go. Man, how, do we t- how do we tie this in to workplace ministry? Because that's where the majority, that, that is where the kingdom needs to be restored. We pulled God, we, you know, the, the business world advanced on us a little bit. So we, we, we've lost some battles here, but we're not lost the war. We know we've won the war. But how do we regain that ground? Well, you might have to might have to come back to it, but um, you know uh, Willow Creek uh, Leadership Summit. Sure. Have you uh, been a part? Yeah, I have never so gotten it, to go. No, it, and they hold it oh, forty minutes from here. But no, I haven't gone. Uh, it's it's great. Um, there was a there was a speaker Don Flo, and his dad started a used car salesman ship. And he started to share, and kingdom theology is coming out of his mouth. This is not a pastor. This is a uh, owner of uh, uh, several used car dealerships. And I was like, wow, this guy's got kingdom. And then he started to talk about how he lived that out in his used car dealership. All right. I was just telling, telling about the story of uh, Don Flo at the Willow Creek Summit. And he's not a pastor. He uh, actually is used car salesman. Well, uh, now he owns uh, several of them. And he was talking about, um, really, kingdom theology. And he was, and I, and I think where kingdom theology really hits most is it broadens our understanding of the gospel. Not just about Jesus died for my sins, which is, of course, the center of the gospel, but it's about that God is at work restoring what was lost. He created the world good, perfect, without sin, the Garden of Eden. Because we had the ability to rebel, we did and fell, and now God is at work restoring the, the world. And so this used car salesman was saying he gets that God is at work redeeming people 
and restoring every part of his creation, and he was praying every morning. I was convicted as a pastor. I was like, I don't know if I pray this hard for the work, for me to join the work of God through the church as this guy prays at his used car dealership. And so he <laughs> saw himself. You've never sold used cars before, so you don't know why you got to pray. <laughs> I sold used cars for 15 years on the side between selling insurance, and, and I'm telling you what, you need to pray really hard because that business, I mean, the average used car sales guy will screw his grandmother to make a buck. I mean, he'll take advantage I, of anybody to make money. So there's no support for integrity in the used car business, and you so you yeah. really have to you really have to pray in that. Yeah, so it's known as a den of thieves, right? And here he's saying, I believe God is at work in my workplace, in my co-workers, and in my clients, and I want to represent God and the restoration, the advancement of his kingdom, the restoration of all things, even in this workplace. I thought, wow, what a great attitude for anyone to bring wherever you work, wherever you live, your neighborhoods, your workplace, your neighbors, your co-workers, right there you get to join in God's work of redeeming and restoring all things. And, that and that's is, what he was doing. That is a great segue. Listen, it's time for our book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over 29 years. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Almerton Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot stores open to the public seven days a week. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. That's shop, C-H-A-R-I-S dot com. Be the first person to call into the studio line today, 855-265-2929. That's 855-265-2929 and I will give you a copy of Eric Carpenter's book Jesus's Big Idea. Jesus's Big Idea Living in the Days of the Kingdom. It was written in 2007 by Eric Carpenter, the guy we've got right here on the air today. If you want to get a copy of this book, call into the studio line 855-265-2929. You are going to learn things in this book that you have never heard from the pulpit in your church. Now, except if you go to Eric's church, and I would hope that you're hearing it there. But talking about restoring what was lost, a seven-week Bible study that guides leaders and small groups to experience the kingdom of God here and now in our homes, our work, our families, even as we wait for its full advent or for it to come in fullness when Christ returns. The consummation, the deal, the done deal when Jesus returns. Listen, to win this book, call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And remember, you got to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we got Todd T. Riley. He'll be standing by waiting for you to make that phone call, 855-265-2929. All right, Eric, I want to make sure I got that in there so that people can be calling while we're still talking. All right, so okay. this, whole, this whole idea of restoring what was lost, I want, to, I want to turn it to the workplace. Because really, and if you go back to the beginning, when God created the garden and put Adam and Eve in the garden, he created mm-hmm. work that was there that was what they were to do to occupy their days, to bring him mm-hmm. glory, to, 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 to really enjoy all that he, cre- he had created. It was supposed to be a pleasurable thing, but it was created. Enjoy, and, 
and enjoy a relationship with him right. personally. Uh, right. Well, I hadn't gotten to that part. I always love the part. <laughs> that, you know, For a guy that's not been through seminary, I, I loved it when I first realized, and I'm reading through Genesis 3, and, and Adam and Eve are cowering in the garden, you know, hiding themselves, and they, because they heard the sound of the Lord as he, in the, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And I always ask people that question, how did they know what it sounded like? And they knew what it sounded like because he did it all the time. He was spending time with them all the time. They knew exactly what it sounded like. And that's the kind of relationship that our Heavenly Father desires with us each and every day. He wants us to know what it sounds like when he's coming. And and, I think, and I think that that's cool. But I grew up with the misnomer, just because my parents were always complaining about work, that, that, that work was really the result of original sin. You know, I, I, <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about it, you know, how many people come home and are saying, I just had the best day ever in my life. This was the greatest thing ever. Most people don't. Even pastors don't come home and say that. You know? So I love the idea that when you talk about restoring what was lost, that includes the workplace, because God intended the workplace to be an incredible opportunity each and every day for kingdom expansion. So why don't you take ride that wave and take it better away from me? Well, I think uh, in in a really neat way, if you if you look back and you're trying to understand what is the kingdom of God and the restored world, you can look back at Genesis and actually you see Adam and Eve working in the garden prior to sin. So sin, work is not the result of the fall. Um, it is part of God's plan for us. He, he called us to be um, stewards of his creation. He was bringing the animals to, uh, to Adam and naming, and they were tending the garden. So we're called to work his creation, to steward his creation, to lead his creation. So work in and of itself is a very good um, calling of God in our lives, not just to be fruitful, but that's also part of the calling in God's life. In the fall, you see that now the man works by the sweat of his brow. So the, the pain, the angst that we experience of work is not of God. That's part of the fall. His desire is that we do experience fulfillment in our workplace, whatever job that God calls us to. And imagine living in Florida and not living by the sweat of your brow. Because <laughs> for five months, you sweat thinking about moving down here. All right. So, uh-huh. I mean, it's just amazing. Okay. So when you talk about this in in the workplace, because so many people have wrong ideas about it. And, and I... And that's what I loved about your book is that you, you spelled it out. But I really, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure we hit it. You, you know, you, you mentioned in your book, eternal life begins the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. That, again, mm-hmm. is a new concept as we're always talking about eternity as the next step, not now. Right. Where, right. Did, where right. did you get that? I mean, because really, that was a new idea for me that eternity already started for me in 1979 mm-hmm. when I took that step of faith. My eternity started. I never thought about it. I always think, about, okay, when I die, I experience eternity. But you're right, because I'm never going to die. I, I'm going to change bodily forms. I'm going to cease to exist here. But my soul goes and everything in my relationship with my Heavenly Father, I carry with me. I don't have a right. U- I don't have a U-Haul for all my junk, but I get to carry my relationship <laughs> with my heavenly Father with me. So that's uh, that's I mean that uh, that's what I got out of it. 
<laughs> no, Sorry. I, you're you're exactly you're exactly right, Jim. And so, really, the the the, the concept first dawned on me as I was reading in John three when Jesus was interacting with Nicodemus, and he says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. He's talking about becoming a Christian there, where the Holy Spirit enters your spirit and gives you life. And he says, right at that moment, you enter the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is within you at this moment. That's just before the famous passage that we all know, um, John 3.16, or 15 and 16, says, everyone who believes in, in him may have eternal life. And so if you think about eternal life, not as the next step, but as a quality of life. Mm-hmm. So Jim, he's already begun that just like that personal relationship that he had with Adam and Eve that you, you spoke about in, in such a wonderful way. We we recognize the noise. So that was that was eternal life for Adam and Eve right there, life in the kingdom. He's already done that now in you and you're learning how to live in the kingdom in the here and now. And right now. Eternal life begins now. And we're gonna talk I want to talk more about that, but I really want to talk on the involvement of the Holy Spirit as we because there's a section I, I just love. That's something that church doesn't talk about enough. And if we're going to be impactful in our <laughs> workplaces, uh, we got to be talking about the Holy Spirit because you can't be making an impact in your workplaces without the Holy Spirit getting your back. The glory of kings is to search out a matter. Proverbs 25, 2. Do you regularly ask your employees how you can assist them in their jobs? Your staff may be experiencing difficulties or frustrations on the job, or they may have questions that are going unasked and unanswered. The wise manager will create opportunities for these issues to be brought forward before they fester and begin to affect the employee's performance. When you meet with employees one-on-one, always ask about any obstacles they are facing and if there is anything you can do to help them with their, do their job better. Allow time for them to respond and don't rush on to the next thing until you have received an answer. Not everyone will raise concerns, but they will appreciate being asked and will value your genuine interest. Ask the same questions at your staff meetings. Create a climate where employees feel comfortable bringing up their concerns and they will become more open in asking for assistance. If you want to improve your staff's performance, keep asking how you can help. Proverbs 25.2, the glory of kings is to search out a matter. All right, Eric, I don't want to run out of time, and I really want to hit this. You know, I uh, I grew up in a Baptist church and an evangelical free church, so I'm sure you're familiar with both of them. And, and never really in any of my churches have they really gone in depth to talk about us as Christians living and breathing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh-huh. and that's I, I think the Holy Spirit just freaks people out. And, and yeah. <laughs> but Jesus said, you know, I've got to go so that the so that the Spirit can come, and He's going to allow uh-huh. you to do things greater than me. Uh-huh. But but I love this in, in on page on day eighteen in your book. I can't remember what page it is, but on day oh it says on page eighty five. I got it in my notes. You start to talk <laughs> about the Holy Spirit, and 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 you somebody in your class says to you. I feel ripped off. <laughs> yes. What was he referring to? <laughs> he was he was raised in a reformed church, um, and um, um, the the third person of the Trinity, just like your experience, was never taught on. It was uh, kind of the uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scripture, not really the Holy Spirit. 
and um, and really, it's a the Holy Spirit's work is the centerpiece of Jesus's ministry, right? He gives the Holy Spirit. That's what John the Baptist said he would do. That he'd baptize with the Spirit. Um, we've been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. We're we're filled and filled again. We're empowered. And yet, his church is not really talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's a huge injustice. We, we, we need to understand the third person of the Trinity and not allow him to be the least known person of the Trinity, which I think for many of us is, is what we experienced growing up. Oh, well, yeah. You think? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how many listeners I got today, but first of all, I'd like to say thank you to Jody calling in from Arizona today. That's right. I say we're we got people listening all over the world. We got somebody calling in from Arizona today. She said she actually went to school with you, Eric. So I don't know Jody's last name cuz I don't I won't say it on the air, but <laughs> here you go. You got you caused somebody to Shout out to Jody. That's Hi, right. Jody. All right, Jody, thanks for calling in. And we'll get a copy of Eric's book out to you here in the next couple of days. Okay. So, but the Holy Spirit, I mean, we can't walk with Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it, Amen. there's, and it's one of those things where what I've realized is that, you know, when we, when we truly turn our lives over, put ourselves on the altar and, and, and let Christ take the throne in our lives, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's one of those things where I, I, I don't know if I read it in your book. I read another book just recently, but we leak, we, we leak. Yes. That was my book. Uh, it was your book. I love that. I absolutely love that because I got big holes. And so every day, to, as uh, I just love the way you described it because you say, well, I leak. Uh, because there's often days where I'm like, wow, how did I get there? When I started my day off in prayer and I, and I, and I just asked to have the spirit renewed, and there's an old Keith Green, Keith Green song, where, which I'm not going to sing, but just, you know, <laughs> you know, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. That's how I pray yeah. each and every day. I want to have that spirit renewed inside mm-hmm. of me. But I, mm-hmm. I, I can honestly tell you, I don't walk in the power of the spirit. No, I've seen the spirit mm. speak things through me that no way would come out of Jim Brangenberg's mouth. That, that, that I've seen, but to walk in the power of the spirit, mm. I, 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 that is my exploration. The rest of my life, I want to, I want to have a deep, 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 unbelievably deep relationship with my heavenly father. I want to be mm. Christ-like to everybody I impact and everybody I talk to, but I want to walk in the power of the Holy spirit because we are mm-hmm. called to do incredible things. Anyway, sorry. It's your book. We're supposed to be talking about not me, but why? No, Jim. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. That's great, and and I think uh, you know one of the questions that you asked is is um, how have we missed the Holy Spirit? And I think one of the key misunderstandings uh, of the church has been that yes, we receive the Holy Spirit when we give our lives to Christ and ask Jesus into to our lives. But if you look at Scripture and the testimony of Scripture, is that we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at Peter. You could trace the word filled with Peter through Acts, and you see Peter is filled time and time again. In, um, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, uh, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. How do you get drunk on wine? You keep drinking, keep drinking, keep drinking, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So he's the agent of the kingdom. You, you got to stop here, stop right there. Because how many churches focus on that line, don't drink? They tell people, they twist that <laughs> verse and say, don't drink, and they miss the whole point. They miss the whole point that it's about the Holy Spirit because Absolutely. there's nothing in the Bible says don't drink wine. It says don't drink it to the point where you're drunk because it leads right. to all these other incredibly horrible things. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, just, well, how do they miss it? And then it goes right on to the, the, the greatest section in the scriptures on marriage. But, I mean, I, I don't get it. How, how at your church, let's just talk about Springs Community Church, how do you teach your people about the Holy Spirit and to access the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity in their lives? Boy, that's a, that's a profound question. And uh, I'm actually teaching my class that is canceled tonight because of the weather. It's all about the work of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a variety of different works that you can talk about. One is like the sanctification, the gifts of the Spirit, Galatians 5. So he's wanting to make you more holy, work in that way. But there's also the other idea of gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, that the, the gifts are available for today, like a, a word of knowledge or the gift of tongues, that those are still available for us today. They, they didn't cease. That's one theology that's out there that's not really supported by Scripture. But he wants to give us the, those gifts so that we can advance the kingdom. So we're talking about all these different ways in which the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And it's been really significant and profound for our people really learning, because I would say the vast majority are just like you, Jim, did not hear teaching on the Holy Spirit, and this is the first time that they're hearing very specific, how does the Holy Spirit want to work in our lives, and how do we cooperate with Him in our lives? Well, I, I think the, the theology of leaking, no way you learn that in seminary, because i got a brother that's <laughs> no. got a doctorate in Old Testament theology. He didn't learn about leak it, leaking in, the, in, in seminary. That, that's the kind of stuff, just practical stuff. That's who Jesus was, practical. All right, we, he we, was. we got to start closing out the show. I can't believe it. We, we, we just barely touched this, but thank you so much for an incredible conversation. Listen, tomorrow night, listeners, we've got Matt Lair joining us, talking about Dare to be Different Marriage Mentoring, which we've helped get installed into our church, First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, but it's also in over 3,000 churches around the country, and it is designed for couples that aren't in ministry to go two-on-two with a couple who just wants to invest in their marriage. Tune in tomorrow night. This is so important because if your marriage is weak, your ministry and your business is going to be weak. You know, the I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in a workplace. So I want you to ask yourself, do you know what Eric and I have been talking about? Has Jesus Christ become Lord of your life? Have you submitted to His Lordship? If you don't know what that means, or you want to hear more, just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iworkforhim.com. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.